Welcome to Smarten Up, the show where we demystify the complex world of tax and provide practical business insights. I'm your host, Sally Preston. As a business owner, I know how frustrating it can be when it seems hard to access understandable information, particularly when the topic is as complex as the tax law. So in this podcast, we will explore topics to help you make smarter decisions when it comes to your business taxes, which will ultimately benefit your bottom line. Whether you are starting up in business or have been in business for years, this podcast aims to become an essential part of your financial toolkit. Welcome to Smarten Up, the tax and business podcast. My name is Sally Preston and I'm your host. So in this episode, we're talking about tax on the subdivision and sale of land. So we often see people either acquiring large blocks of land or taking their existing land and converting them into small blocks, so subdividing them. In some cases, there might be bare minimum done to those blocks, maybe just enough to meet council approval for the subdivision. And in other cases, we see people taking the block and building a block of townhouses or separate houses and then making the sale. So the real question to ask if you're undertaking a transaction like this is whether there should be any income tax on that. Now, you also should be thinking about GST and sometimes duty. So before we can really explain this, there are three different ways that property transactions can be taxed. So one is it can be taxed as business income. And this is where you're in the business of property type transactions. So as when you're a property developer. So maybe it doesn't have to be a large property developer. Maybe you just do this on a recurring basis and it's how you make your money. The transaction may also be taxed as if it was income from an isolated profit-making undertaking or scheme. Now, that's a lot of words, but that's the term we use. So it's like a one-off transaction, but you had the intention of making a profit. And the third one is where it's really just a capital event. That is, you've done nothing more than required to merely realise the best value for the asset that you've got. So we're not going to be really talking about property development. I mean, that could be a podcast by itself. We're going to talk about option two and three and what the difference is. So that is where you've made a profit from an isolated profit-making undertaking or scheme, or whether it's just a CGT asset. So why does it matter? Well, depending on how the transaction is characterised, you may be eligible for the 50% CGT general discount. Now, that's only going to apply if your transaction is classified as a capital transaction. So a CGT events occurred. So what that means is any capital gain you make from the sale of that property, you get a 50% discount before tax is applied. But any loss that you make, if you do make a loss, that loss can't be applied to reduce your other income. It actually has to only be applied against another capital gain. So big wins if it's a gain not so good if it's a loss. If instead it doesn't qualify as a capital gains tax event, then it'll be treated as normal income and not be eligible for that 50% general discount. Now, I'm not saying you will be eligible for the 50% discount, but if you're an individual, then you are eligible for a 50% discount if the criteria are met. One of those criteria is that you have to have held the asset for more than 12 months. All right. Now, I'm going to talk you through what that impact actually looks like to give you some numbers behind it. So let's say we sold a property for a million dollars or our gain on the sale of property was a million dollars. 
If it's treated as a capital gain and we're eligible for the 50% general discount, then our gain is reduced to 500000 and we pay tax on the 500000 Now, for an individual, let's just assume it's at the top marginal rate plus Medicare levy at 47%. That means the tax bill from your million-dollar gain is 235000 Now, if it's not a discountable capital gain, then the tax is levied on the full amount, so the million dollars, which means you'll pay $470,000 of tax. So we're comparing $235,000 of tax in this scenario to $470,000 of tax. Now, that is a lot of money in your hip pocket. So it's worth understanding what factors determine capital gains tax event versus a normal income gain on sale event. So the ATO published in 2023 more guidance on their website. Now, what they've done is they've leveraged off case law and giving you a bunch of factors on there. But I've also incorporated what we know from case law and what we apply when we help clients determine whether their transaction is best treated on capital account or what we call revenue account. So please take the ATO website and what we're saying here is guidance. It is weighing up a lot of factors and looking at the minutiae of detail. And the ATO website is not a ruling. They are not bound by it. It is guidance only. So we've used their information plus some others to give you your factors. So let's talk through those. So one of the factors is the purpose you had in buying the land. So what this means is if there's a purpose of buying the land to make a profit on sale, so maybe you're planning on converting that land, then it's less likely it's going to be a capital gains tax asset and taxable under those rules. It's more likely to be a capital gains tax asset. For example, when you buy the property to live in, maybe it's a farm that you've been farming, or maybe it's a longer term rental property for investment purposes. It's more likely to be a revenue in nature where you purchase it, do something to it, or just purchase it to sell it for a quick buck. All right, we also look at the length of ownership. So the longer the land is held, without you deciding you're only holding it to make that profit, the more likely it's going to be a capital gains tax asset. So say you've owned the property for several decades and then you decide to sell it due to changing circumstances. On the opposite, it's more likely to be ordinary income is when you buy the land, you obtain permits soon after you buy it and move into property development. The third one we're talking about is the purpose of selling the land. So If there's a significant purpose of developing the land to make a profit, then the sale is less likely to be a capital gains tax sale. So if you sell the land for private purposes, so for example, you own a house or you own a rental property and you're downsizing, maybe the block's too big, maybe you do subdivide it, but you sell the land because it's going to be a better result for you and that's all you do, then maybe that's a capital gains tax asset. It was a private asset and your purpose is just simply to sell it for the best value you can. But if you sell that property and it really is to generate big profits for future maybe property transactions, then you're more likely falling into that isolated profit-making scheme. Okay, we also look at the types of activities you've been involved in in the past. So this could help determine whether you, could always help determine your intention, but it can have an impact on whether that transaction is going to be treated on capital account or revenue account. So if you're not ordinarily involved in property transactions, maybe it's the first time you've sold an asset or maybe you don't buy, renovate, flip and sell houses regularly 
and you've done something to this property, you've lived in it for a few years or maybe you've lived in it for 10 years and then you've sold it and that's more like a capital account. However, if you've got a history, so say you buy a house, you renovate it for a year and you sell it, then you do it again and again, then you're more likely at least in the property business or it's an isolated transaction. Again, it comes down to the facts that presented before us. The ATO says they look at the costs incurred prior to sale. So what they mean is they look at the costs that you spend compared to the value of the land. They also look at the financial risk that you took to determine whether it's a CGT asset. So the lower the financial risk and the less costs involved in what you've done to the land, if anything, the more likely CGT. But if you spend a lot of money and taken a lot of risk in what you've done, for example, maybe you've borrowed an awful lot, then they consider that might have more factors weighing to it being on revenue account and taxable as normal income. Look at the parties involved and the phases. So the transaction is less likely to be CGT, the more players there are in the mix. So if you've got architects and property developers and sales agents and you've got multiple things going on and you're right in the mix of it, helping do a big development, then of course you're still, you're looking at more likely to be revenue. Like your intention is to make a profit. If it's a straightforward one-off transaction and probably all you've done is got a selling agent involved, then it's more likely to be CGT. Now, there's a lot of grey in between the areas we're talking about. Then we look at the complexity and the steps undertaken, which is a little bit the same. So the more complex the steps and the time taken, then the more likely that's going to be on revenue accounts. That's going to be normal income. So if the sale of an undeveloped block and there were minimal things done to that block to get a good value on sale, then that's more likely to be a capital gains tax. But if you've got significant improvements to the land, including buildings and facilities, and you're trying to maximise a profit, maybe there were multiple blocks of land involved in significant costs, then you're more likely falling into that bucket of being normal income. And when I say normal income, I do mean from an isolated transaction. So it's not because you're in the business of being a property developer. It is that middle category where you fall between the two. So there's also GST consequences. I'm just going to touch on that at a very high level because I think GST needs to be explored in a separate podcast because it does get quite tricky. But let's talk about it to a high level so you're aware of it. Depending on what your activities are, you may also need to register for GST. So it's generally going to be required where you have the intention to make profit on the activities well, definitely while you're carrying on a business or as part of a business or commercial transaction. So the difference between this and the income tax law is that they use the term enterprise and that's what we're assessing whether you need to register for GST against. So it is a separate assessment that needs to be undertaken. So even if it's that one-off transaction that's on revenue account, it may be deemed that you're carrying on an enterprise for GST purposes. So It's safe to assume that if you're in that isolated profit-making undertaking, and definitely if you're carrying on a business, that you should have a GST obligation. Having said that, though, even when your activities are capital in nature, you may have a GST obligation if you use that property in carrying on your enterprise or you're already registered for GST. But otherwise, if your property sale is going to fall into the bucket of being a capital gains tax asset, you can pretty safely assume that there's no GST obligations there. Now, if you're required to register for GST, then there'll be GST potentially on the sale, depending on what it is. And there'll also potentially be GST credits. And there's a lot of work in nutting those out. So that's why I say we're just going to raise it and not talk about it in great detail. Let's run through though an example. So in this example, 
It's Mr. and Mrs. Block. They purchased a house on a large block of land to live in a long time ago. So back in 2000. In 2017, they applied to subdivide the land for development. They plan to demolish the house and build three townhouses. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So the block that they've had now, they had for 17 years, they decided they're going to knock down the house and they're going to put three townhouses. There are three different purposes of these townhouses. One is that they intend to live in one of them. So they're basically downsizing. Number two is one of them is going to be their rental property. So they plan on holding that long term and putting a tenant in there. Not a bad way to generate an income stream in retirement. And number three is a townhouse that they intend to sell. Now, I would assume that they're going to sell that property because it's probably going to help fund the development of the other two. We'll make that assumption. So what they did is they went and hired an architect to design the townhouses. They engaged a developer to obtain the permits, subdivide the land, and they funded the development using a bank loan. So the property was used as security and there's all sorts of documentation to prove that that was their intention for those three blocks. Obviously, when they do a bank application, the bank would want to know what their plan is. So, for example, if they're lending against a property that they're going to sell soon, then that's not going to be a long-term loan or portion of the loan. And then there's two that they're going to hold long-term. So the bank would have that in their documentation. So there would be support for their intention. So the townhouses were completed, say, 18 months later. And they planned to move into the townhouse. They hired a real estate agent as well. And that real estate agent rented out the other townhouse and then sold the third one that they'd always intended to sell. So what happens? A year later, Mr. Block falls sick. They both had to move into a retirement home. Following some written advice that they received, they decided to sell all three properties. Well, they'd already sold one, but they sold the other two to make a big profit. Now, this is all in the same financial year. So it was a pretty tight turnaround, a pretty big change of circumstances for them. So let's talk about the income tax outcome. If we look at the three properties, because once we subdivide them, they are three blocks of land. The land subdivision and sale is not carrying on a business, so they're not a property developer. This is the first time they've done that. But the gain from the sale of the townhouse that they intended to sell from the outset is ordinary income because they did that for the purpose of making a profit. So it's that isolated transaction. But the gain that they made from the other two townhouses, now they had no intention of selling them. They were intended to be a long-term asset. One was their home and the other was a rental. They didn't have an intention of doing that to make a good bunch of money off selling it. They intended to keep them longer term for another reason. So that's considered, therefore, a sale as a CGT event for each one of them. Now, we're not talking about main residence today and how that would fall into this, but if we're just classifying one of those properties would be taxable as ordinary income, and then the other two would be a capital gain tax event that's occurred. So there's a couple of finicky things with GST, which would make this a far more complicated transaction that maybe they'd anticipated when they went into the planning. Where they are building the property for a private purpose, that's not going to be subject to GST, and therefore they're not to claim any of the costs for GST. Where they're planning on making it a rental property, though, that does change the GST circumstances. Residential rent is called an input tax supply. And the third one was intended to make a profit. And so that is a taxable event and that would be full GS- normal GST. Now, the GST amounts, as I said, different podcasts, a lot more detail required for that one. 
But just know each of those have different characteristics for GST, which is why we say get some assistance with regard to that. Hopefully that's given you a few more insights into how a property transaction may be taxed. Now we've given you probably the opposite ends of the spectrum in our factors. We've talked about most likely capital if it basically looks like an empty block of land that you've held, maybe you subdivided it and put the water in the council required and sold it, but you held it for a number of years and all those factors and that's your capital gains tax asset. And then we've got the other end of the spectrum where you bought the block, you went straight into the development, you built three townhouses and you sold them for a profit. That's into that space of even if it's the first time you've done it and you're not a property developer, then that's more likely not a capital gains tax sale. What we haven't gone into is everything in the middle. And that's because that is a really gray space. And that's where these factors and weighing them up against your circumstances become so important. So whilst I can't cover everything today, what I hope that you've learned is if you're undertaking a transaction like this, before you do, you actually go and get help from an expert. And you know what? You can always go to the Australian Taxation Office, the Commission of Taxation, and actually ask for a private ruling where you set out the facts of what you're planning to do and get their view. Well, that's all I've got time for today. That's your episode of Smarten Up, the tax and business podcast. My name's Sally Preston, and I'm looking forward to talking to you in the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Smarten Up, tax and business. I hope you found the information valuable as you navigate your entrepreneurial journey. If you did, please leave us a review and share the podcast with your fellow business owners. Remember, what we've talked about today is not a substitute for getting formal advice from an accountant or lawyer that is more specific to your circumstances. But knowledge is power when it comes to getting your taxes right, and it can also save you a buttload of money too.